The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Now, how's it been going for you this week in terms of keeping your eyes on Jesus? Have you noticed that actually when we can leave here on a Sunday, we're focused. Jesus, I've got my eyes on you. And sometime during the week, you would have suddenly thought, oh my goodness, where is my focus? Where am I looking at? How did that happen? How did I lose sight? Has that happened to you this week? There was one moment this week and I suddenly thought, what? What's going on? And you've got to, you've got to bring yourself back. And whenever we see that factor of like, wow, I, I, it seems to have got my attention, it seems to have been moved away, we need to take steps to get our attention back. Sometimes that means we need to take time out. Sometimes it's not always uh, convenient for us to take time out of that moment. But we need to do something to bring our attention and our focus and to, to re-strengthen ourselves in our inner core. Last week we were looking at creation. And I want to look at that a little bit more this week. Creation is very important because it declares the glory of God. In Romans 1, it clearly tells us that man is without excuse when it comes to knowing that there is a God, which is a very bold statement to make. Let me just read to you what it says. It says that the wrath of God, this is Romans 1 verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, listen, who suppress the truth. Listen to that, who suppress the truth. So there is actually a a covering, there's a suppressing, there's a holding back of truth. There's a nullifying of truth by the activities of wickedness. Then it goes on in verse 19 to say this, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. And then it goes on to say, so that man is without excuse. So that man is without excuse. Creation is all around us and it's there for us to take note of. And we want to be a people who are confident in looking around us to gain strength to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So creation is important for us. Take notice of it when you see the flowers, when you see the blossom, when you see the weather. Take notice of it and remind yourself the goodness of God is there. And it's being displayed to me and it's all around me that I might gain strength from that. That's what it's there for. In Hebrews 11 verse 3 it says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. We understand that the universe was made by God's command and it was made out of nothing. That's what we've been told in Scripture. Now it doesn't tell us exactly everything that happened. It just says that God speaks and things come to pass out of nothing. Now last week we were looking, as I say, about God being the creator of all things. And what I wanted to make clear to us, and what I want to get into us, 
is that, is that in our thinking, in our understanding, we know more and more confidently as time goes on that God is the creator. He is behind the heavens and the earth. He has made me. Now, why do I put it like that? Because you're saying, oh, that's what we believe. That's what we're here for. That's why we are in this understanding. But you see, there's so much that comes against that that we don't always know when we're being pushed away from it. Sometimes it's happening without our knowledge. The world did not come about by some random occurrence some gathering of a few things in a box and shaking it until eventually the universe came out of the box. It didn't happen like that. It happened by God speaking to nothing and out of nothing the heavens and the earth were made. That is how it came about. It was made by him. He is a master planner. He is the master designer over all things. We read about this in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you can read it for yourself later. It says there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first thing that the Bible introduces itself with. Those are the first words of the Bible, and it goes right back to the beginning, and it says, what is the beginning? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. He is before all things. He is the uncreated one. He is there from eternity to eternity. When there was no other creation, when there was no heaven, when there was no earth, who was there? There was God. He is the foundation stone of all things. For from him, by him, have all things been made. He is the foundation stone. That's why we can say he is the foundation. He is the first, he is the last. He's the beginning, he's the end of everything. Because in the beginning, God. And then it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's from him. He is the source of everything and out of him comes all things. Now that's what we believe. And creation is magnificent. And it does take our breath away. Have you ever wondered why it is that when you see something like a beautiful flower, a beautiful tree, full of blossom as the uh, the blossom is out of the moment, or the forsythia, the yellow that's coming out, you see the variety of colours, you see these things, and often you might say, well, that's magnificent. You get a sunny day, the beautiful sunshine, and people say, this is beautiful. The words that come from our mouths are words of praise and adoration towards God. When you see a beautiful mountain vista, you say, wow, this is great. This is amazing. And you actually stop and listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth or the words that come out of unbelievers' mouths. It's worship and praise and adoration because they are declaring the goodness of God in creation without necessarily knowing or understanding that God is behind it. When we see all of these things, we are in awe. We notice the day and the night. We notice the seasons. We notice the weather. We notice and we see things on TV. When you look at the nature programs, the fact that the salmon, I've said this before, the salmon goes back to the place where it was conceived to lay its eggs for another generation. But in the meantime, it's traveled downriver and it's gone all sorts of other places, but it returns to that place. Who did that? Who designed that? Who can make those things happen? Who is it that declares 
to the birds. We don't declare to them, but put something inside of them that they say, hey, it's getting cold here. It's time for me to go on migration. They haven't got a sat-nav, and yet they have got something internally within them that will take them from the British Isles all the way over to Africa on the wing, and they fly there. Listen, we get caught up, oh, oh yeah, oh, no, no, we get caught up in the things of the world, we get caught up in politics, we get caught up in all the things that people are saying that we forget to see the hand, the imprint of the designer that is across the whole of creation. When you hear or we see a baby that's just been born, people don't go around saying, horrible thing. They say, wow, so beautiful. Look at their fingers. Oh, wow, all of the features. This is amazing. There's praise that comes out because of the wonder of a new birth of a child that comes before us. But all of these things are contested by what we call science. And science isn't a bad thing. Science really does this. It seeks to ask questions so that we might understand. It seeks to ask the questions of how did this happen? Why did this happen? It seeks to understand the mechanics of things. It wants to deconstruct or it wants to reconstruct Because man wants to understand what's going on around him. So science isn't wrong. Science is wonderful. Because science uncovers the glory of what God has done. Science is bringing to life. 200 years ago, people had no idea what DNA was. Just uh, DNA? What is it? And I could actually give you the name, if I could remember. It's actually some acid. Acid. That's what it is, in technicality. But since it's been discovered by scientists that actually written in every molecule of your body is a string of genetic things that is purposeful for you alone. Everyone has a different DNA. Who did that? Who put it inside of you? Who wrote that on every cell of your body? Who did it? You see... The world wants to say there is no God. But we need to stay with understanding and keep our eyes on Jesus that there is a God, he is a good God, and he has his handprint upon the whole of his creation. But it's something that we have to receive within ourselves. It's something that at times we have to say, hang on a minute. I don't need to listen to the voice of science because science is raised up in man's mind as being the answer for everything. You see, why does man want to understand how everything works? Because we have a natural inquisition, we have a natural investigative feeling in our hearts. Actually, it's because of our mindsets and the way we are. We want to know, and when we know, we can make, and when we make, we can control. And we can be great. Behind it all, there is a source which is evil which is that man wants to elevate himself up above God. He wants to deny that there is a God. And now in our society, there are many people who deny the existence of God, and it is causing the beginnings of moral decay and corruption in our nation. And we see that. But we can't always speak out against it, and we don't always know the words to say about it. You know, last week we were talking about creation, and I was saying that the world was formed. The world is formed... By God speaking into nothing, 
and things coming to pass. And as you read there in Genesis chapter 1, you read of the days and how God actually constructed things. And you see that on the first day, God does this. And on the second day, God does that. But that's what the Bible says. And I'll look at that more in a moment. But if you were actually just to go to Wikipedia for a moment, or Google, and you were to type in there, history of the earth, how is the earth made, or something like that, you would get this. The history of this is Wikipedia. The history of the earth concerns the development of planet earth from its formation to present day. Nearly all branches of natural science have contributed to the understanding of the main events of the earth's past characterized by constant geological change and biological evolution. The earth formed around 4.54 billion years ago, approximately one-third the age of the universe, and it was formed by a creation from the solar nebula, volcanic outgassing, stay with me, probably created the primordial atmosphere, sorry about this, uh, I don't quite, primordial, it's a bit of a big, yeah, anyway, just get the main things across, the primordial atmosphere and then the ocean, but the early atmosphere contained almost no oxygen, much of the earth was molten because of frequent collisions with other bodies, which led to extreme volcanism, while the earth was in its earliest stage, early earth that is, a giant impact collision with a planet-sized body named Thea is thought to have formed the moon. Over time, the earth cooled, causing the formation of a solid crust and allowing liquid water on the surface. Now, you can read that for yourself because it's up there in Wikipedia. But that, if you want to know, if anybody wants to know, they're asking the question, how was the earth formed? That's what they'll read. Because man wants to deny the existence of God. Or rather, Satan does. Okay? Because he's behind it. And it affects the way we are. And it affects us. Because we're living in this world where this is taught. We're living there. And everything, even these words, are faith words. You've got to believe it just as you've got to believe what I'm talking about, what the Bible says. There's no middle ground. You believe one or you believe the other. But I am declaring to you that God is real. That his handprint is upon creation. And you can see it. And you can know it. And when God says, and if you go back, when you get home to start reading in Genesis chapter 1, there you will read how in the beginning was God, which we've already said, verse 1, and how he created out of nothing. And then by verse 3 it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God said and it happened. Now, here's a question for you, especially if you're a scientist, because we're not knocking science. Do not hear that. Science is wonderful, and it has brought us many, many good things. It's just that it asks questions sometimes that we don't yet have the answers to, or it poses things that it's assuming I know everything, when in fact a scientist doesn't necessarily know everything. Only God knows everything. He sees the end from the beginning. So he can know everything. There was a time when the scientists declared the earth to be flat. Because that was the knowledge they had. But if they had understood in scripture that he sits above the circle of the earth, 
they would have learnt at that point from reading scripture that the earth is round. But our understanding and the way we think gets, we just get into a format. And so therefore we only think down that line. But there came a time that, whoa, hang on a second, the earth is round. And now we can prove it and now we can measure it. And because the advance of science, science is a wonderful thing, but science is not God. Science is not God. God says, and he speaks, let there be light. And there was light. Now, science tells us that the earth could have started from a big bang. Now, I said that last week. Now, don't hear what I didn't say. Okay, because when God said, let there be light, what did that look like? Personally, I don't know. I just know that if God spoke and it came about, then we went from a non-light situation to a light situation. I don't know. Scientists tell me that the universe is expanding and their measurements of the things can show that the universe is getting bigger and bigger over time. How do I explain that? I don't know. Science is only asking the question, how, why? It's trying to understand these things and it understands it sometimes by saying, well, it must have come from some sort of explosion because things are going out. They're getting bigger. The Bible doesn't talk about a big bang. The Bible talks about God speaking and something coming to pass. But maybe it's the best way that we could explain what happened. That the scientists are saying the right things. But we just don't know. For us, let's stick to what the scripture says, but let's be gracious to what scientists say as well. It's the same way. I did knock Charles Darwin last week, and I knocked him for this reason and this reason alone. Charles Darwin started off by believing in God and he moved away from that place. Now that's foolishness. That's foolishness. Some of the things that he studied, he was trying to understand what was going on on the Galapagos Islands. He was trying to interpret. He had noticed many things in other places and now he was trying to bring an understanding to that and his understanding was he saw that it seemed to him that animals were changing, were adapting. There was natural adaptation to various circumstances and he moved from that in his thinking and in his suggestions that therefore it's quite possible for an ape to transform into a man. And if you're looking for a way to deny the existence of God and to, well, we don't need to have a creator. This is how it came to I can explain it a different way. Then he did a very good job in that. However, he's distorting the truth that there is a creator, that he is behind everything, and that he created you and he loves you and he wants relationship with you. So let's not declare that every scientist who talks about natural adaptation and how species can evolve and adjust, that they're talking all rubbish. Science is just trying to answer questions. The problem with science is that scientists do not know everything. None of us knows everything. What we're supposed to do as human beings, is to be create, connected to the one who does know everything. So that through his wisdom coming to us, we can understand how things were made and how things exist. So we can see 
that creation is a wonderful thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 33 says this, Let all the people, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So what we're saying, and our foundation in terms of creation, which is important because it's a foundational, it's a primary foundational stone for our lives, is that God is the creator of all things. We do not necessarily understand and know every answer that there is and how we can explain away everything that some scientists put before us. We don't have those answers because at the moment we know in part but one day we shall know in full. So we don't know everything. And there's no need for us to be intimidated that we don't know, because maybe in this room there's going to be people who rise up to actually have those answers or to give further information that would help to unlock some scientific secrets. But this we do know, is that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is what, when I say we know, this is what we believe, and we see that imprint all around us. I've talked about the imprint in creation, the wonder that we see when we look at various views, the magnificence there is in the human body, the DNA and things like that. But let me just touch on two other things. Where does man's moral compass come from? You say, well, what moral compass? Is there, there is a moral compass because, you see, people know when they've done wrong. What do you mean? If there is no God, where does that come about? But you see, people do know when they've done wrong. People do feel guilty within themselves when they've crossed over different lines. And even if they say, well, I'm not a moral person, there's something within us, because it's the hand of the creator, the imprint of the designer that's within us, that has actually put within us a moral framework, even if we don't know anything about God, we can still feel guilty when we have broken one of his commands. There's something that's written. And not just the moral framework. Think of this. Where does love come from? Oh, somebody just invented it. Did they? God is love. God is love. The imprint of the creator has been placed inside his creation. And therefore, every person, whether they are a Christian or not, has the capability of showing the love that comes from the Father. They have that ability. This is why you see people, and they're not Christians, they don't even know God, but they can do acts of incredible kindness because love has been written in to our creation. It's been written into us. But as, as a people of God, as we seek to walk with him, then that love should be being refined and manifest more and more as time goes on, in us and through us, that we might be loving him with all of our hearts and that we might be loving our neighbours with all of our lives as well. Loving them as we love ourselves. And we do love ourselves. We make sure we're looked after. We make sure that we're kept in good condition. Listen, all of this thinking that I'm fighting against, it comes from this mindset, which is called a Greek mindset, because the Greeks rose up with this idea of understanding. We want 
to understand. There's nothing wrong in that because it's a great thing. I want to understand how things work. That's how engineers have grown up. That's how we have had so many accomplishments. But nevertheless, the problem with that understanding can get where our power is found in our knowledge. Because we know we can control. And that ultimately comes from a mindset, from a way of thinking. And this was a problem, and it's been a problem throughout human history, that man wants to rise up and be something above God. The prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote about it. Isaiah said this, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. He says the ox knows its master. The donkey, its owner's manger. In other words, the place where it gets its food. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, he says. A people loaded with guilt, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. And you see what Isaiah was noticing is he is looking at this. There is a thinking in man, and man is going away. He is saying, I don't need God. There is no God. God has nothing to do with life. We can ignore him completely. But as man does that, he starts to increase in corruption. He starts to move further away from God. His eyes are completely taken away from God. The prophet Jeremiah writes similarly in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11, where it says this, Has a nation ever changed its gods? And it's talking about a nation that had its focus upon God. He was their God. He is the one who is behind everything. That is Yahweh. That is his name. That's who Israel worships. But it says, Has a nation ever changed its gods? Some of them, though, are not gods at all. But my people, says God, but my people have exchanged my glory for worthless idols. Jeremiah goes on to say this, Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That prophetic statement is true of our nation. And it's true of the people on our planet. That we have forsaken God. We don't need him. He might, no, he's not creator. Oh, you can't explain that. We can explain creation through all of these things. It came from a big bang. Everything's evolved. Animals, they changed into humans. All of these things have happened. We can explain these. This is how the universe came about. Nebulous, this gas here, that black hole, whatever. All of those things coming about. We can believe that. We can be secure in that because that means we don't have to believe in a God. But my people have committed two sins. Dan, do you want to come up? They have forgotten him. The, the spring of living water. Listen to that. The, here is the source of our delight. 
that we've gone away from that source and, and we've dug our own systems. Hey, let's have a go at having our own source. Let's build our own source. Let's do things in our own strength. But we create systems that are broken and they can't even hold water. And yet we say that's what we need. We're talking about foundation stones. We're talking about our God is the creator. We're talking about the importance for every one of us to realize that we're living in an environment where the world is saying there is no God and we can prove it and we are struggling to keep our eyes on Jesus. Sometimes it's because we have let this sin affect our own lives in the fact that we have lost sight of him and when we lose sight of him, we gain sight of the world and we start believing, well, maybe that's true. Maybe we need to get hold of some of that stuff and it affects or infects our lives. It's time for us to stand up for what we believe. It's time for us to go back to Scripture. It's time for us to refresh ourselves and to strengthen ourselves on our foundations because we know him who is the creator of the universe. He is for us, not against us. He is the lifter of our heads and the lover of our souls. He is our strength and our shield. He is our righteousness. He has made a way for us where there didn't seem to be a way, but he has come and made a way for us that we can walk in his ways and be secure in his ways. Do we understand and know an answer for everything that is happening to us? No! but we've been called to trust him. That he who is a good God and established good ways, that we can trust him and walk with him so that he can help us. I want you to be strengthened in your faith. I want you to keep your eyes open this week. Look around at the glory of creation. I want you to speak to your soul. I want you to tell your soul to get back into focus with God. I want you to be trusting in him because he is able to help you. He's able to lift you up. He's able to strengthen you because he is God and he is on the throne. His name is higher than any other authority and he is here to help us, to strengthen us and to love each one of us. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you are for us. Lord, enable each one of us not to dig our own cisterns that can't hold water, but to come to you, the living water, that we find where we might find that refreshment and vitality that we need to live life here on this earth. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.